podcast host, Prologue. Casino combat date, unknown. We seem to have had a time distortion, one that I did not cause. Lieutenant T-Rex tells me that he has edited my logs. I said the same things several times, in different ways. It's almost as if an idea was in a time loop. I don't know what it means. I can only hope someone needs to learn these lessons. Ladies and gentlemen, non-binary persons, The Midnight Club, the audio performance you are about to enjoy discusses casinos and gambling. We do not recommend gambling with money you cannot afford to lose or that is needed to pay bills. If you have a gambling problem, contact your problem gambling hotline. If you do not know how to contact your problem gambling hotline, send an email to help at casinocombat.com. We will find that number for you and provide it to you. Our host's past performances are not indicative of anyone's future results, even his own. All materials presented here are based on actual facts. Names and dates are changed to protect the innocent and the guilty. Some events unrelated to outcomes may be omitted in the interest of brevity and clarity. It is, it's me, it's TRG, the Rambling Gambler, to those before, to those after, to us now, and to those beyond, seen or unseen, here or not here. Welcome to episode one of three of our Casino Combat Podcast. I am so glad all of you took the time to join me today. If you didn't, I'm just an old dude talking into the air, but I'm not. I know I'm talking to friends or maybe people who will become friends. If this is your first time, I'm going to make a bold and difficult to believe statement. My current data shows and is confirmed by others from their data that the techniques I developed over decades of gambling can generate consistent profits from wagers that are close to a 50-50 chance of winning. Yes, I just told you I know how to beat a handful of wagers in a casino, do it consistently, and make a profit. Do you think that's crazy? (laughs) Me too. Honestly, me too. I pinch myself almost every day. But if you want to know the really crazy part, the crazy part, the absolutely insane part is this. I figured it out, I tested it, and then I gave it to the world as a a gift. I got bored in lockdown and thought, why not just teach anyone who is interested and willing to listen what you do and what you know? And so I did, and here we are. Again, if you're new and you like any part of what you hear today... We have resources for you. The CasinoCombat.com website, yes, you need to spell combat with a K, but the CasinoCombat.com website has all kinds of resources for you. All our social media links, vocabulary, flow charts, the official Casino Combat theme song, all kinds of things, all kinds of resources to help you out. All of those resources are free. Help yourself. We have a channel on YouTube with a playlist called Boot Camp. Again, camp spelled with a K, Casino Combat on YouTube spelled with a K. That playlist will teach you, the boot camp playlist will teach you the basics of good casino gambling in short lessons and the whole thing takes less than 90 minutes. We also have a playlist very cleverly named TRG Wagering System and that has videos of me demonstrating my wagering systems with with real blackjack hands and real chips. Finally, we have a squad of people willing to cheer you on or cheer you up, and help you out. They are on Facebook. It's a group called the Casino Combat Squad. I encourage you to join us there. 
All right, let's talk for a minute about something that I see going on in the Casino Combat Galaxy. And it's a good thing. Our squad is growing, and it's growing at an increasing rate. People are trying new things, learning new things, making mistakes and learning them from them, fixing those mistakes. And this is great. This is wonderful. It is thrilling for me to see this growth and feel like my crazy idea is working. And I am very grateful, and I am very humbled by this. I want to be a smart man, but a stupid man indeed when duty calls. Since duty does not seem to be calling, allow me to be a smart man. And as a smart man, this is not a prediction. This is a spoiler. As Scar would say, be prepared. Be prepared as we grow. At some point, there will be an issue. There will be a problem. Someone will attempt to do what I do and they will fail. And they will be angry and they will blame me. Or a person in their life will be angry and blame me. They will be in our squad group saying bad things about me or about us. In my opinion, it is an an inevitable outcome of success. And I've got a bit of that some ways already from banks and businesses. I've been told this is a scam. I've been told that I'm a con artist. And I'm not sure how. I don't sell anything other than my time once in a while when when someone wants an in-depth private conversation about their situation. But nonetheless, as I said, be prepared. And I've been preparing since day one. How do we end? How do we end every episode, each and every time. Yes, it is an obscure pop culture reference. Yes, it's near and dear to my heart for personal reasons. But within the podcast, it's there for a reason. How do we end every time we are together unless you hit the stop button before we get there? We end with love it, the podcast and or me. Hate it, again, the podcast and or me. It don't matter. Please share with your family and friends. You see, my advertiser pays me the same if someone tells a friend, listen to this idiot, and then they play an episode. Or if someone tells a friend, listen to this guy, he's brilliant, and plays an episode. The advertiser doesn't care what the motivation was. The The advertiser pays me just a small amount of money. So we will have a problem at some point. And when that happens, we will remain calm and look for a casino solution. And if that's not possible... We will try to buy the coffee if we can. If not, see end of episode. It don't matter. (laughs) Okay, thus ends the lesson, I guess. What are we going to talk about today? What's the battle plan for this episode of Casino Combat? We're going to start off with a question segment. I received an email with an excellent question recently, a question that caused me to pause for just a minute and say, yeah, yeah, you got me on that one. But I think there is some nuance in the response, so we will discuss that email and my responses. Then I'm going to do a core concept segment. As we grow as a squad, we have people of all kinds of different backgrounds joining us. People with all kinds of different budgets. In my emails, I've been doing a bit of cheerleading for listeners who think that their means are a barrier to their success. I don't think so. I'm actually going to kind of walk you through some thoughts about that with the podcast portion of my gambling journey as a point of reference. Then we will finish up in the virtual VIP lounge. I have some fun information for you about a trip we took to Atlantic City. Some fun things happened that I want to talk about. I'm sure I'll have some other items and observations to pull out and share. And after I finish that part of that segment, I will, of course, run down the results for the month for you to wrap up this episode. Very straightforward. (laughs) Okay. All right, rats, like Columbo, just one more thing (laughs) before we get to the next segment. I I just hit my mind. I was saying, um, I was doing some cheerleading and, and 
it, it came to me. I'm, I'm talking about that barrier to success thing. And I realized that there was a story that I shared with ECE and ACE that they said I should share with all of you. It fits the idea of having the means to benefit from what we discuss. I got an email from a listener several weeks ago. I was on the road. I didn't save it. So I'm going to paraphrase. But the general idea was that they worked very near a casino. They had been inside to look around once or twice, but they didn't really have money to lose and didn't really understand what was going on. So it was really, it's just a curiosity for them. They found the podcast by accident, listened to an episode, found it interesting. They heard me say something about bubble craps and stopped to see if their casino had those machines. It did. And so they listened to some more and they downloaded some things and they put together a bankroll of about $200. And I'm doing this from memory, but they played... $5 bubble craps once or twice a week after work. They put in $40 and tried to win $20 before losing $35. Using TRG Wagering System 2, always be grinded. Wins were split between the bankroll and paying the cell phone bill. They paid most of the cell phone bill two months in a row, and the bankroll grew just a little bit despite some losses. They're not getting much in terms of comps or gifts, and that's understandable, and they understand that, and they understand why, but gambling pays most of the cell phone bill, or has for a couple months in a row. And my response is wonderful. That is casino combat. That's discipline. That's using the core concepts. That's gambling as a side hustle. Apologies for not saving the email. I didn't really think much about it at the time, and then it came up over dinner with ACE and ECE, and and I did want to share it, and then in the midst of the wonderful dinner and everything else that I'm going to tell you about later, I, I kind of mentally lost it. I didn't make a note of it in my app. Uh, I'm glad that this conversation kind of off the cuff triggered all of that, and it probably should have been done in the stuff about the Casino Combat Galaxy, but uh, oh well, I rambled a bit. I apologize. All right, let's talk about questions my sons ask. What? What? You know, my sons ask questions about gambling. Listeners ask questions about gambling. Sometimes complete strangers ask questions about gambling. It happens in a variety of ways. It's actually one of the things I really enjoy. It's it's the reason I do this. Obviously, I'm not doing this for money. It takes a block of time. I'm doing this because as a, an aging person, I, I want to share what I know. So I love answering questions. And I got a really interesting question by email recently and I thought I'd share it with you today and share the answer with you because my assumption once again on this one it, this is one of those that your your high school coach would have said you know no question is a dumb question if you're asked thinking it somebody else is probably thinking it ask your questions so I'm glad this question got asked and here it goes the email says hi TRG I want to thank you for the podcast I've been gambling for a few years and you have taught me a lot of new things I do have a question You've talked about acting like the lucky drunk. You've talked about people assuming you work for the casino because of the vest. In a recent episode, you mentioned another player thinking you must know people and how to get things done. If the casino does not care if you win, why does any of this matter? I don't get it. Which makes me feel stupid since you don't seem to do anything without a reason. What am I missing? Thanks again, (laughs) Billy with the boring last name. It made me chuckle the first time, too. (laughs) Billy with the boring last name. That's a good one. So, okay. First, please, 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 please do not feel stupid. Um, I'll be honest. My first response was, okay, I'm busted. It really does not matter. Big picture, it really does not matter. But 
and particularly in reference to the lucky drunk thing. See, my gambling journey started with knowing how to count cards. And card counting in blackjack is not illegal, but other than Atlantic City, they're not going to let you do that. They know what to look for, and they're not going to let you do it. They're not going to let you turn a house advantage game into a player advantage game through knowledge. And in a lot of ways, that stinks. But it is what it is. And you know, when I started counting cards, we were really just at the tail end of the transition from the mob running Vegas to business running Vegas. And when the mob ran Vegas, if you were counting cards a little bit, you get beat up a little bit. If you were counting cards a lot, you might get buried in the desert taken care of. So, as I said, it was tail end of that. It was more rumor and innuendo than anything else. But if you got caught counting cards, like all of Vegas could become off limits to you. And there were only like one or two places in all of North America that you could gamble. So you didn't want to get caught. And a lot of card counting expertise went beyond, still does, still does. We've got a listener who got caught counting cards in Biloxi and now can't, can't play blackjack in any of three brands. He's not going to get beat up, but he's just going to get told politely, you know, you can't do this. Don't make us bring security. Go play something else. Go have a steak dinner, but you can't do this and you know it. So back in the day, you paid a lot of attention to not giving the casino your ID so they didn't know your name, to changing your look, to changing your appearance, to hiding what you were doing. It was an essential skill. And that's why I say busted, because it's not an essential skill anymore. It is just something that is part of my gambling DNA to be aware of those things. And obviously, I'm big on having them know who I am. I'm big on them having my card. I'm big on getting all the points and the tier credits and all of that stuff. That's really, really important. But in the back of my mind, in, in the in the DNA of my gambling, there's this little aspect of hiding what you're doing. And lucky drunk is something that is a casino term. It's a casino, almost a casino employee term. It's, it's part of their language. And it was an easy thing for me to play into. And so it is still kind of part of the background of me. So big picture doesn't matter. And now you've kind of got the origin story on it. And now I'm going to completely reverse myself and make my second point, which is that in a lot of ways, it does matter. It really does. I mean, there is a reason that sports teams, particularly amateur sports teams, get special uniforms for special events. It makes the players feel good. It makes the players feel important. It makes the players feel like the game is important. The game is unique. The game is significant. It's different. We're dressing different. If you players like, and this, this comes from my coaching background, right? Years coaching uh, youth sports at a fairly high level. Players will play better. They will perform better when they feel good about how they're dressed. They just will. They just do. It's part of the human psyche, right? There's a reason we get dressed up for weddings, for funerals. There's a reason we get dressed up for special occasions, special events. It makes it feel special. It makes it feel different. It changes how we see things. 
there was a thing that um, someone older than me told me as I was graduating college, and it's probably less true today, but it's still a bit true. And that was dress for the job you want, not for the job you have. Because how you dress changes how you see yourself and changes how the people you interact with see you. It really does. And so the comparison I'd like to draw to you here is, TRG is obviously just a character I play on the internet. It's a character I sometimes cosplay a little bit in real life, but it's really just, TRG is really just a guy I play on the internet. Big chunks of my real life, I don't look like that guy. I don't dress like that guy. Um... When I'm just Papa to the young lion, and I'm in Skechers and a hoodie, and we're going to the park, I am a boring, nondescript old guy with his grandchild. Grandchild goes home. We say goodbye. I put on the good boots. I put on the rings and blings. I'm starting to feel like a badass gambler. I'm starting to feel like a winner. I know I'm a winner. I get to the casino. The vest goes on. I'm organized. That winning mindset is setting in. Same human. Two different sets of clothes. Two different sets of feelings about myself. Back to the sports team piece exactly, right? How I'm dressed changes how I feel about me. And I know it's not just true of me. I know it's true of a lot of people. So there is a reason and a purpose behind this. And I'm not saying that for each and every one of you, the vest and the boots and the rings and the blings, are part of what would work for you. I'm not saying you feel like a badass gambler dressed that way. You may feel like a complete fool. Perfectly reasonable. If you saw me walking through a casino and your first reaction was, this guy looks like a moron, okay. That's how you see it. I don't think that how everyone sees it from experience. I'm going to talk about that more in a minute. I'm going to give you some good examples of that in just a minute. But I would encourage you, like Mrs. TRG has a very small handbag. That's her go-to-the-casino handbag. It's different from her real-life teacher and grandmother handbag. It's stripped down. She has got her cash. She has got her ID cards for players clubs. She's got her ID. She's got a debit card. She's got the MGM credit card in case she needs to buy anything. And it puts her in that gambling mindset. So it may be for you a handbag. It may be a vest. It may be any numb. It may be a jean jacket with a a, a denim jacket with a lot of pockets. It might be a suit coat. I know a guy, he's a really smart player. Not a real chatty guy. Real serious guy. Doesn't say a lot. And I don't understand exactly how he plays, but he's a very methodical gambler. He is a very detailed gambler. And he always has a suit coat on. Always. He'll be in, in jeans and loafers, but he's got a suit coat on, right? It'll be the middle of winter. He's got a suit coat on. Middle of summer, 95 degrees out, suit coat on. I don't know, maybe he's suit coat dude all the time. But what I'm saying is, it's not that you should imitate me. You should figure out, in my opinion, you might find some advantage and things like that, some mindset things, if you figure out how that aspect of things works for you. What image do you want to present? What image, what approach will make you go into that gambling mindset mode. So that's my my second point to your question. And then my third point is to go back to the guy that made the incorrect assumption that I looked like a guy that knew people and knew how to get things done. To an extent, he was wrong. To an extent, he was right. I do within a casino sometimes know how to get things done. That's just knowledge and experience. But 
there is a reality to how you are perceived determining how you get treated, how you get treated by the world around you. And I said, if you look at me and you say, oh, this guy's a moron, that's fine. I don't really care. I don't. But let me show you why I don't think that's true. Mrs. TRG and I were coming back from our home casino and we wanted to have some brunch and we had stuff at our local casino that we wanted to go get and some free play that she wanted to play. And so we roll, we roll into town having slept in a little bit and we're parking in the casino parking garage and we got about 50 minutes until brunch is over. And we want to go get brunch. We want to go get them to make us some eggs. We, we want to go get some food. And normally, when we move through the casino, I kind of keep her in front of me so that I kind of see what's going on, have a read on everything. And when we move at her pace, she's not as tall as I am. And so, shorter person, shorter legs, smaller stride. Normally, 99% of the time, we move at her pace. It's a leisurely pace. And we move through the casino. And I've, I've got a view of things. And if we're going to get something coming from behind us, at least it's going to hit me first and not her. But we got 50 minutes total to get from the car, through the casino, to the buffet, through the process of handing over our comps and, and, and enjoying our brunch. And so I kind of just almost instinctively took her hand, stepped in front of her and started moving through the casino like a ship breaking ice. I moved fast, I moved shoulders wide, I moved chest out, I moved big strides, and people got out of the way. And we very, very quickly made it through the casino, down the elevator, through the next part of things, and we we get to the table, and I said, sorry about that, I just wanted to get us here. And she said, actually, I knew exactly what you were doing, that was pretty amazing, everybody just got out of your way. Now, maybe, see, this is one of those you never know, right? You don't know how much, how many data points do you need and how many are enough. But does the, does the, the grandpa in the Skechers and the hoodie go through that crowd like an icebreaker, go through that very busy Sunday mid afternoon crowd and have people just kind of instinctively get out of his way and let him move quickly and with purpose right through the crowd? As I said, I don't know, but I suspect fact that that maybe that guy doesn't have the same impact on things people don't have the the same reaction to him just my experience bottom line in the math on paper none of that stuff that you're asking about billy matters it really does not matter and in reality i think it matters a great deal from experience i think there's a lot of value to it so uh you are correct i always have a reason uh that's my reasons. That's my thinking. Like everything, if you don't agree, I'm fine with that. If you listen to that and say this is all just BS and it's in his head, okay, it is, and I can't prove you're wrong. But thank you for asking Billy with the boring last name. Uh, there's my reasons. I always have them. I, I hope I've answered your questions, and thank you so much for listening. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The core concepts of casino combat, concepts spelled with a K, of course, but the core concepts of casino combat are the pillars that I believe fundamental, strong, capable gambling are built on. I have talked about them many, many times in many, many ways. I am not going to do them today. The website has a blog post. It is all written out. The boot camp, camp spelled with a K, playlist on our YouTube channel has me doing a uh, mostly story-free, humor-free series of short 10 to 15-minute teaches that teach all of the core concepts, all of the basics, all of the year one, year two, two two-year college degree things you need to know to be good at the game of casino gambling. The basic minimum things you need to know to be good at casino gambling, the basic things you need to know to start your gambling journey or to change your gambling journey from gambling for entertainment to gambling for profit. So those things are all out there. And today, for this episode, I just wanted to take one of those core concepts, and that is have a bankroll of money appropriate to the wagers you have decided to make. I wanted to take that core concept and I want to walk you through a few things. I want to kind of show you something and show you a way to think about that and to show you how that may change over time. So if we go way, way, way back, if we go way, way, way back to the start of this podcast, to the first couple episodes where we really didn't know what we were doing and we're trying to figure all this out from a podcasting point of view, let me remind you of how that all started. We were gambling, 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 gambling. We went to Las Vegas for New Year's Eve. We are gambling into the new year. I am winning. I am on a nice, long winning streak. I have been putting money away. I have been making all those small choices. I have been winning pretty consistently. And back then, we would see me win consistently for a couple months and then have a couple choppy months and then can win consistently for a few months and have some choppy months. And that was okay because... One of the core concepts is try to win the month, and if you take a cash loss, make it up in gifts and comps. And so that was all working, and that was all functional. But on that fateful last night, we decided that the world was getting crazy, and we were a little scared, but it wasn't going to keep, it was not going to keep being what it was forever, and we were going to try to make a very careful one last visit to our local casino. One last time. One last time at our favorite bar which was our favorite VIP lounge, one more little bit of gambling. And as that busy Friday night, things started to get crowded and people started not kind of being on top of each other. We looked at each other and said, it's time to go. And we walked out and I had roughly four to five days pay in my pocket that was really all profit. It was really all money won. And We left and we went back to our house and we turned on something on the television and we were having a nightcap and the scroll comes across and tells us that effective in about 45 minutes, all the casinos in our state are closed. And very quickly, all the casinos in the states around us closed. And that money, that roughly four to five days pay, went in an envelope in the safe, marked 
money from gambling, money for gambling. Pretty reasonable. And the podcast started, and you know this, uh, the casino started to reopen a few months later, and I decided I was going to use the opening to do a podcast and teach people who didn't understand how to win, how to comp hustle. I was going to show them how to win the game of casino gambling, and I didn't know if there would be a them. I was just bored. So I hope there would be a them, and I'm so glad that all of you are the them. Thank you for being my them, because I couldn't have done this all without you. And so the podcast starts, and I'm doing a little TRG1 where in some cases, because it just seems appropriate and I'm doing TRG two for most of it. And we're going through things. And at one point, one fateful day, I say to my wife, um, I'm going to go over there because this isn't going well. And you know, if you need me, you can come find me and you know, you can function on your own. And I was thinking of it stupidly very stupidly, always admit my, admit my mistakes or try to, I was thinking from the point of view that she was a good enough player to play without me right there to answer her questions. I was thinking about it from the blackjack play point of view. And when we got back up to the hotel room, she made this amazing, excellent point, as good women always do to guys that are sometimes stupid. And she said, that really wasn't fair. I really can't go function on my own. I have $15. How am I supposed to function in a casino on my own? And it, yeah, hit me like lightning. I went, oh, you're absolutely right. And so we fixed that. We got home. She found a little small handbag that uh, was a casino gift. And we put enough money into that handbag along with her player's cards from everywhere and some things like that. And we put all of that together so that without me, she would have enough money to tip people, enough money to buy a glass of wine or two if she wanted some, enough money to buy in at least once, maybe twice, if I wasn't around. Because at that point, I just carried all the money. I carried the entire bankroll, and I gave her money when we sat down together. And as a couple on vacation, that works. We almost never play separately. That all works. That's more than fine. But it wasn't working in pandemic world where we often ended up split up. It didn't work for her to not be able to buy in without me or have to come find me to buy in for her. And what happened there? Where did that money come from? That money came from winnings. The bankroll had just expanded a little bit because the bankroll was no longer just the money in my pocket. The money was in our pocket. The bankroll was a little bigger. The bankroll was appropriate to the wagers I was going to make and the wagers we were going to make, and the wagers she was going to make. And for the most part, the money continued to come out of my pocket. The money in her purse, her portion of the expanded bankroll, was for situations where I was not around, where we had separated. And as you heard, our results were solid, but choppy. Winning and losing months in dollars, comps making up the losses on, or up for the losses on the losing months. Second year. Start out really just doing TRG2, and then eventually testing and using TRG4. Win more, keep more. And we had another one of those situations. I mean, as I'm winning, I'm putting money away, I'm putting money away. And we hit a moment where Mrs. TRG and I are going to be doing significant gambling in two different states. Not two different parts of the same building. Not even two different buildings, and that doesn't happen very often anyway. But I was going to be clear across the country. And she was going to handle some gambling things that she needed to handle or wanted to handle without me, which is a big revelation for her, a big uh, evolution. That's a good word. She was finally comfortable as a woman by herself, at least locally, going in a casino and doing the things that our process needed done 
even when I wasn't around. And so now she has to have three or four buy-in, right? She has to have the full the full amount of money to buy in at more than one table to fully function without me. And that came from wins. So once again, the bankroll has now expanded. And one of the things that started to be on my mind, and sometimes I can't help what's on my mind. One of the things that started to be on my mind was, what if I get robbed? But I, that's always on my mind. You know, if you know, <laughs> see no wisdom, right? We always carry defense because we always carry cash. Okay, uh, real talk. Uh, a guy my age may not want to, try to, or should pull out mace when someone's holding a gun or a knife near him. It may be easier just to be robbed. But I also wanted to start keeping more winnings close to me. And I didn't want the winnings to just be part of a big pile. I didn't want an ever larger walking around bankroll, but I wanted a bigger walking around bankroll. So I started carrying some winnings and accumulating some winnings in a different pocket in my vest. So now in my mind, we have the cloud safe. Actually, I have a couple cloud safes, which is just a fun way of saying, or a stupid way of saying, you can choose that we have a couple bank accounts that have gradually a little money here, a little money there, accumulated winnings over time so that we have a backup of money to pay taxes when they're due and a backup of money that can be pulled out with an ATM card if something horrible happens. So we don't have to carry all the gambling money in a big wad all the way across the country in an airplane through airports and and all that kind of stuff. And so I have physical safe in my home, have cloud safe, and I've accumulated all that. And now in addition to the bankroll, I also kind of have another safe in a different vest pocket. With, as I said, to kind of finish that thought, the thought being that if someone were to confront me and say, give me your money, hopefully they would accept the idea that I take money out of my vest pocket and hand them a fairly large amount of money and they go, great, I got away with robbing this guy and they leave and there is another much larger amount of money in a completely different pocket that hopefully no one would think to look in and everything is still good. And so as I'm setting all that up, as I'm kind of going through that process, it's happening gradually over time. I've got some wins. I do some of this. I do some of that. I put some of it away for future losses. I put some of it away for future taxes. I do something charitable. I buy something nice and I put a little money in that vest pocket, that other vest pocket. I keep pulling the small vest pocket back down to the starting level every time and distribute the rest of the money. And I realized that having done that for a while, that for the first time maybe ever, this really neat thing I had invented in my head called the Meta Martingale could be used consistently. See, when I invented that, when I had that idea, I didn't always have the bankroll to do it because at the time, one of the decisions I had to make with wins was how much tuition was going to go, how much of that money was going to go to tuition, how much money of that going to go to room and board for children, uh, grown adult children, but children nonetheless. How much I was going to pay for my kids' cell phone bills? How much money of that win was going to pay for my kids' groceries in college? I had all those other things. I wasn't building extra resources at nearly the rate I could when I didn't have those other expenses going on because my kids had good jobs and good lives and had moved on to that stage of their life. And sometimes things would be going well and I'd have all the bills covered and I'd have enough to do a two-tier 
uh, Meta Martingale, but not a three. Sometimes I'd have to take some of that money because kids have emergencies. College-age kids, believe it or not, have emergencies. Cars break down. Cars have flat tires. Coaches tell them they have to donate money to some charity because that's what we're doing this season. Yeah, 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 blah, 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 blah. Kids have emergency expenses. Sometimes the bankroll would get chopped back down. And sometimes on trips, the wins would add up, and I could go to a full three-tier. So I knew it worked. But then we'd get home, and a lot of that big win would get distributed. That's what our wisdom teaches. We make those series of small choices. You know, I'm trying to illustrate all this for a purpose. Stick with me. So now I'm finally at a point, somewhat to my surprise, somewhat not intentionally, but I realize I'm walking around all the time with two bankrolls, and it's more than enough to meta Martingale consistently all the time. And I do that, and the winning gets more consistent. You've heard that. The winning got a lot less choppy. Things got a lot more reliable. Things got a lot, a lot, a lot more reliable and consistent. And my point, as always, is not. I did not take you through this to say, look at me, look at us, look how good we are. I mean, what did that? What would that teach you? If that was the point of all this, if that was my TRG point, then I just wasted everyone's time. I wasted my time speaking this into the air in the glorious Casino Combat Studios. I wasted T-Rex's time editing this down because what you hear will be very different than what I said because he will fix a lot of little things. He will fix a lot of ums and ahs. He will fix a lot of me clearing my throat. He will fix the big pause that you won't hear where I had to stop and have some water. I would have wasted everyone's time. So that's the question. What does this segment teach you? Was this just a story segment? Was this just a me bragging segment? If so, why isn't it in the virtual VIP lounge so you can just turn the episode off? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. This was a history lesson. This was a reminder of things so that I can make the point that I want to make. That was, in fact, not the story before the story. That was the illustration of the point that I want to make. My point is this, you may not have the funds for the Meta Martingale right now. Right now, you may not have that money, or you may have that money, and you may not be comfortable with the size of wagers required at Tier 2 or Tier 3. That just may not be something you're comfortable with. You might not have the bankroll, you might have the bankroll and not be comfortable with the size of the wagers. You might not be able to do that and do that with control and discipline and focus and locking out the negative emotions and all the things that go along with being good at what we do. You may not even have the bankroll for full table blackjack or bock or craps. You might walk into your local casino or the easiest casino you can get to that's not local to you and the table limits may be such that your bankroll just doesn't even support that, let alone the Meta Martingale. So you might start out with bubble craps, right? You might start out with physical ball roulette, black red. That may be the size bankroll you have. And you're doing TRG4 at bubble craps with $3 wagers. So you're between a wager of three and a wager of nine, and that may be all your bankroll supports. And your results will be choppy, right? They'll be like my first year. I had limited gambling opportunities just because of 
social distancing and staffing and, and all that stuff we've already heard about and talked about. I had limited gambling opportunities, sometimes only a few hours a week. And the wagers were, by definition, somewhat smaller, again, because of circumstances. So you may have that, and it may be choppy, and you may have some losing months. You may even have some months where you lose, and because of the level you're playing at, the comps don't cover everything. But... If you follow our casino wisdoms, if you make good decisions with your wins, if you put aside wins for future uses, two and a half years later, you may have built up both the bankroll and the confidence to expand your play. And at first, you may only be willing to do a two-tier Meta Martingale. And so you'll win a little more consistently, and you'll have occasionally some bigger losses, losses that at the start of your journey would have freaked you out, but you're now doing it knowing, I've got this covered. I listened to TRG. I listened to the casino wisdom. I made decisions with my wins. I've built up my physical safe or my cloud safe, my bank account specifically for gambling. I've experienced this loss before and emotionally I can handle it and I'll just come back tomorrow morning or after lunch or I'm going to go to the pool and then I'm going to play again and it's okay. I'll just start again. It may take me two or three sessions to get that win back, but I will. You may find yourself after two and a half years going, yeah, I'm happy to do Meta Martingale to the three tier. Heck, I'll do Meta Martingale to the fourth tier if I have to, to get my win for the day. I'm happy to. Every journey is different. You heard in detail to this point, two and a half years of what is going on four decades of this journey for me. You've heard this. You are hearing in many ways, depending on how much longer I keep doing this, you're hearing the end of my journey, right? You're hearing my journey wrap up. Do not judge the start of your journey by the end of my journey. Just take your journey. Up next, we are going to adjourn to the virtual VIP lounge for some sips and have a great conversation. A little bit of the bubbly. Welcome to the most must-listen-to segment in casino lifestyle podcasting, the Casino Combat Virtual VIP Lounge, where we have the best virtual everything virtually all the time. If you enjoyed the virtual pumpkin spice drinks for the last couple of episodes, those are gone. I'm sorry. However, they have been replaced with virtual peppermint martinis. Make sure you try one of those if you are joining me virtually. We, of course, have artisanal still and sparkling water, as well as locally bottled handcrafted soda and pop. If you can join me in the real world, that's great. Please do so. Hit pause, pour something, make something to eat, then come back and join me for the rest of this. I got some fun stuff for you. I've got some interesting results for you. I myself, I've got to uh, I got to go to work. I've got to finish this and then poor me, I have to go hang out at the casino for several hours and make some money for the day. So as a result, I am enjoying a locally bottled root beer today, an excellent root beer, a wonderful vintage. Let's get to business. In this segment, I'm going to pull out a couple of items from my local gambling just very, very quickly, then focus on a trip we took to Atlantic City, the what, the where's, the why's. I'll I'll give you all of that. I'll give you the fun parts of that and one neat and one very scary story, uh, both kind of all at the same time. 
once we have completed that, once we've completed the informative and educational parts of what has happened in my gambling for a couple weeks, I'm going to give you the results for the month of November 2022, as we always do to wrap up each and every month. Okay, let's dig in. The basics, I gambled every day that I was here locally if it was a work day. I didn't do any Saturdays and Sundays. I did do a couple Saturdays and Sundays. So what we've got here is we've got five, seven, uh, 12. We got 12 days worth of gambling. I, uh, I won money every day. Sorry, that's getting boring. I know it's getting boring. It's wonderful that it's getting boring. Anyway, I collected all the free stuff. I, I stopped at the horse track when it made when it was the right day to do so. I got the free slot play. I went to my local casino. I took out the money I needed to take out, sometimes more than the money I needed to take out. And I'm just going to pull out two sequences, two parts, uh, two days, two different days that really stood out, that really, really jumped out. And the first one was one of those days where I got a chance to extend my play. So let me set the stage on that. I show up, I get a free bet, I get a, a lottery ticket, I get my parking comped, I play some bubble craps, I win a little money, I go to my first blackjack table, I am very quickly at, at the day's pay number that I want to reach, plus just a little more, and I realize that add in the money from the bubble craps win that I can do the, the easy way to extend this, right? I'm finding more and more that uh, ECE's technique is spot on both as a table exit technique and as a extend when you're happy with your win. So let me set this up. I've got the play stack, which is at 10 units. I've got the win stack that is at my day's pay and just a little bit more. And I pull those all to the side. Those are those are chips that are not going to be wagered other than something really weird going on where I have to split a whole bunch very quickly and double a whole bunch very quickly. Otherwise, I'm not touching those. And then I've got a, call it a new play stack, an extend play stack, put whatever vocabulary on this you want, where I have just three units to start with. And I am going to do the first part of TRG4, win more, keep more, for as long as I can and see how it goes. And so I'm going to bet one unit. And if I win, I'm going to put that on the take home money. That's the combined original play stack plus the money one that I'm going to take home that will now be a day's pay that is locked in. If I lose that one unit wager, I'm going to make the TRG4 win more, keep more two unit wager. And if I win that, I will have a one unit profit and I will keep alternating wins between the it's going home with me stack and the keep playing stack. I eventually added and added and added to the take home stack while making the play stack go all the way up to eight units. The continue play stack, the extended play stack, let's call it that way. The original play stack's been put away, but I've built this extended play stack from three units all the way up to eight units. And eventually, the play stack goes away, and I walk out to the, to the cage, and I record my win, and I have doubled what I wanted to walk away with just by extending the win using this technique. So what was a one-day's pay win became more than a two-day's pay win, all at the first table, 
all at tier one, not a whole lot of risk involved. Those don't happen very often. Don't expect to get the opportunity to extend and have it go that well consistently. No, you have to have the discipline to say, I'm going to try to extend. I make the first bet, I lose. I make the second bet, I lose. And I want the win more than I want the action and I walk away. But sometimes it does go this way and that's where you end up with the doubles for the day to use the baseball metaphor instead of the single or the triple or the home run. It's when those extends go well. And it's when those extends go well, and then you get some doubles and splits in there, and, and things go really well. They really, they really, really grow. So I wanted to show you that situation where everything's locked up, the day is accomplished, but you have enough to go on a little bit, and the go on, the extend goes well, and you really end up increasing your win for the day. The next thing I wanted to pull out is a Meta Martingale illustration in units because the feedback that I'm getting suggests that some people are struggling with how and when to switch tiers doing the Meta Martingale. And I, I kind of want to try to illustrate that for you some by pulling out a day in which I was kind of up and down, back and forth before things finally worked out. And oh, by the way, we almost had a unicorn. So let's walk through this one. Parking comp, done. Free bet, done. I'm in the building. I'm suited and booted. I'm ready to go. So I start off with bubble craps. That's my first thing. I'm just collecting data. I'm just getting data points. I'm accumulating, easy for me to say, as many data points as I can. I hit my win goal. I tried my extend technique for bubble craps. Didn't get to extend it. So if we translate that win into blackjack terms, it's a two-unit win. Great way to get things started. And I go to my first table, tier one, blackjack. Uh, when I hit my negative exit point, um, which is my play stack being down to eight units. Or I'm sorry, down eight units. That's the way I should say that. When my play stack is minus eight units, I've hit my exit point, And the end result is that when I combine the play stack and the win stack, I have a win of four units. Not enough to be done. I'm at six units. I need to be at more than six units for a day's pay. So we're going to keep playing. Resolve the next table after I stop at the Buddha statue. And we're minus three. So we were at six. We're at minus three. No reason to move along. We're, we're still at tier one. So I go and I skip the Buddha statue and I go to the bar and I grab a TRG teeny and I talk to a couple of the bartenders for a minute and just take that break, take that pause, get out of the gambling mindset. And I guarantee you, I sat there at the bar and went through all these numbers, went through all the numbers that I just went through with you and said, okay, zero reason, zero reason here to, to, to move to the next tier. No, no reason for that. Next table, I end up with a seven unit win. Still not enough to be done. Next table, minus three units. Next table, minus seven units. So let's try to walk through this here. We had a win of two, a win of four, a win of seven, that win of seven is canceled by the loss of seven. So we don't need to worry about that. We've got six, we've got two minus three, so that's minus six, we're, we're minus five units. And then we go to tier two. At that point, I went to tier two. And as I say that out loud, maybe I went a little early there. Maybe that was just on the line of on time. And I very quickly, you know, the, the one thing you don't wanna see, make the first bet, lose, Make the two-unit bet, 
have to double it, lose both, lose that, then quickly lose down, and and we finish up with uh, because of the combination of doubles and splits, we finish up with minus fourteen tier one units. That's minus seven tier two units. It's on to tier three. It's into the high limit room. It's doubling once again the unit size. So the unit size is now four tier one units. And I'm doing well and I'm doing fine and I'm moving through the process. So we have a tier two, two unit wager. I am given twos against a dealer's six. I split the twos. I get an ace on the first one. I double per basic strategy. I get a two on the second hand, which creates a third hand. On both of those hands, I also got an ace. So ace two, ace two, ace two, total of three hands, all doubled. So I'm coming out of pocket here, right? I'm, I'm reaching in my pocket a lot to grab a little more money and a little more money to kind of make those last couple bets. So I now have six, a total of six of my original two unit bet on the table. That's a lot. That's a lot, a lot. Lose all of them because they're, they're all either all going to win or they're all going to lose, right? There's no chance of, of dividing this up. They're all basically the same hand, right? They're all basically garbage hands um, because I didn't get anything good on any of those doubles. Fortunately, the dealer busted. My day is solved. I win the equivalent of 48 tier one units. So when it's all said and done, I've overshot my target by just a little bit, and I have just a little over two and a half days pay remaining when it's all said and done, when I work it all out, when you run all the numbers back. What I want you to see there is that I did a lot of time going up and down just a little bit in tier one, at one point almost breaking out and and being done for the day. Then eventually, a couple losing tables and... As I said, maybe I could have done one more there. Maybe in hindsight, looking through the numbers, maybe I should have, should have, could have. You always kind of make that choice. Somewhere between an eight-unit loss and a 12-unit loss is is where you're making that shift into the next tier. And ultimately, tier two was just a, a crap fest. That happens. It's random. If you have a winning mindset, you look at that as data. There's a moment here, and it's easy for me to say this, right? I've been winning since March. It's easy for me to say when you have a winning mindset, you just don't worry about those. Losing is just data. And losing is just data, but it's easier for it to be data, and it's easier for you to stay strong and convicted when you got months and months and months of some of your wins in banks, in safes, ready to come out if things go really poorly. What we saw here is that in the end, in the end, an almost unicorn hand that would have ruined the day, taken a big loss, right? I'd have taken a much bigger loss than normal if that hand goes badly. If that hand is a normal hand, just, you know, I get a 20 and the dealer pays me just the two units. All, all I'm doing is dropping back to one unit and I still got some more winning to do. But the almost unicorn hand, three splits, three doubles, pays off, fixes everything, and, and we, we finish up a winner for the day. Other than that, most of the rest of the local gambling was great, just not very educational or informative. So let me tell you about this Atlantic City trip that we took. And here's how this is, is going to shake out. I'd been, I'd been making some trips to a casino near my parents' home that I don't particularly love the casino, but it has the Caesars brand on it. And I've been trying to finish my third tier, the diamond tier with Caesars, while winning some money because 
it will save me a bunch of money in turn and time, but a bunch of money in resort fees all of next year. And I'm, I'm trying to manage my relationships and I'm trying to manage my accounts going into the end of the year. And I see that Atlantic City is going to have five times tier credits going on for a weekend. And I'm thinking I'm going to try to drive this myself. There's no flights from where I live to Atlantic City. Uh, there are only flights basically into Atlantic City's airport from uh, like Atlanta and somewhere in Florida. So I'd have to fly way out of my way, then change airlines, then schedule my own flight up. It's a mess. And I can fly into Philly and then take a train, uh, public transportation, or get a limo service. It just ends up being really kind of expensive and not a big time saver versus just having my own car and just making the drive. But I don't normally make drives that long. Atlantic City is uh, seven and a half, eight hours uh, east and south. I don't normally make drives that long at this point in my life solo. And so I'm thinking maybe I can drive it. I'm thinking maybe I'm going to make a stop at the home casino on the way over and that'll cut a couple hours off the drive and I can manage the rest myself. And then maybe on the way back, I'll, I'll stop at uh, Philly live and stay there. So what should be a four day trip is going to become a six or seven day trip. But if I can get five times tier credits, I can be done with, for the year and I won't have to take a charter flight for a non-five times tier credit event. And I'm talking about this with Mrs. TRG and I'm working through the logistics and I'm working through the math and I'm working through the numbers. And she says, you know, it's my last year. I almost never take my personal days. I almost never take any sick days. This is being a stressful year for me. I'm just going to take two personal days and I'll go with you. Great. Perfect. That's excellent. We'll leave the day before the five times tier credits start. We'll make the drive over. We'll check in. Then I'll have two full days at five times tier credits and hopefully I can get everything done. And Mrs. TRG understood that this was a tier credits trip, that we were not going to be bouncing all around the, the boardwalk to various different properties and trying to maximize our comps. We weren't going to be seeing a lot of shows. She was going to do some spa time. She was going to have some downtime. And we both understood going in that if somehow I fell short, then I would spend several hundred dollars a couple weeks later to get on a charter and go back and finish things. So that's kind of the framework for this trip. Rooms were comped at the Tropicana, a place we really, really enjoy. Resort fees were comped. And as we're driving over, I'm telling her, you know... I'm going to ask when we get to the desk if there's an upgrade available. Even, even if it's a paid upgrade, as long as it's not very much, I'm going to pay for the upgrade so that we get the tier credits on the spend. And my logic here, well, I got a couple pieces of logic. My first piece of logic is an upgrade from the room we've already booked is probably going to be some type of suite. And they're not going to have very many suites that don't have decent views, that don't have ocean views. And Mrs. TRG does love her an ocean view to enjoy with her coffee. And then the other reason is the idea that I spend a little bit now to avoid spending more on the return charter. A little bit of money spent, if it gets me those last few tier credits to get me to my goal, saves me an entire weekend of time and travel and the expense of that travel because they are not yet comping me that level of travel. And maybe they never will. Who knows? So it worked out great. 
They said they didn't have any complimentary upgrades, that they'd have to charge me if we wanted to upgrade. The upgrade would be to a one-bedroom suite. I was right on that. And when we got to the, the cost was not very much, uh, very minimal on a daily basis. And when we got there, lo and behold, yes, there were ocean views from three windows, three different sets of, of ocean views. They were spectacular. Mrs. TRG and I really enjoyed them. That's a plan well executed. We did uh, a, a lovely dinner with Inner Circle member, East Coast Emissary, Fourth to the Ring, and the Atlantic City Empress. We just had a, a, a great dinner together, a great time together. We are all hoping, the four of us, that those dinners grow in size and include more members of the squad as we go forward in the future. And that means I also need to do a better job of communicating to you what we're doing and, and when we're doing it. But we just had a great time. The one thing they both said that they wanted me to share with all of you, and it's, it's just it's so humbling, but I will quote, at various points during dinner, each of them said, kind of holding their hands in the air, this is all because of you, meaning me. And they meant that things I had said had allowed them to expand what they do and treat all of Atlantic City as their country club, not just one well-loved resort. And I think they also meant the very genuine friendship that, that we have. And that is truly wonderful. And that is what I was trying to accomplish. And that said, I do disagree in one very important way. This isn't what I did. This is what we did. As listeners, some of you cared enough to play the game. It's time to play the game. You cared enough to play the game and join the inner circle or now the Excelsior Brigade of Casino Combat. If you're not familiar with that, if you don't know what that is, if you're saying, wait, what's the inner circle? It's explained on the website. There's a section there that explains it all. And you can listen to episode 22 and understand what you would need to do to jump in, play along, and and join those elite groups of listeners. As listeners, you cared enough to do the things I talked about and find out that they work and validate that they work. So this is because of all of us. We did this. Thank you for doing your part. Because without your part, my part doesn't mean anything. And I am happy to do my part. Okay, this is a really fun story. This is a really, really fun story. And I hope I'm going to tell it and do it justice. And I'm going to call this story the smirk, the take, and the oh no, he's back. (laughs) So here's how this goes. First day, I got to get a lot of gambling done. I got to get a lot of gambling done because I got to get a decent amount of points. So I'm up first. I'm showered first. I'm down to the casino floor first. We're going to do brunch. We're going to do brunch at uh, Guy Fieri's uh, Hash House Agogo. They are famous for their brunches. They have a couple of uh, locations in Las Vegas, uh, the Rio and the Link, I believe. But I'm up early and I'm gambling. And particularly in the winter, particularly off season, Atlantic City is very much a, a town that gets crazy starting around noon one on Friday, gets really crazy by Friday night. It's crazy all day Saturday and then slows back down. People come in for the weekend and they go back out. So early in the morning, I have the whole floor to myself. I have the whole casino floor basically to myself. There's a couple guys over there playing craps. Um, There's one person playing blackjack, but there's six or eight tables open. And I settle in at player's card cash and uh we go through the transaction blah 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 and the pit boss uh, a wonderful woman the pit boss says 
Good luck. And I think I'm just making conversation because the cards are being hand shuffled. This is going to take a minute. And I say, oh, well, I don't really believe in luck. I just kind of believe in preparation and opportunity. And she engages. And she says, well, if you guys could figure it out, we wouldn't have a job. And I said, well, I, okay. I, I mean, I think I do have it figured out. I don't think it's going to take anybody's job. And she goes, oh, okay, well, I'll get right on the phone. Then, then Mr. TRG, I'll get right on the phone and I'll order some more chips so that, so you can do what you do. And then I tried to just kind of soften things up a little bit. I said, no, I don't know. I said, I'm just here for the tier credits. You don't need to bring in extra chips. I'm just going to take enough to pay my expenses and, and cover what I would have made at work at home. And I'm going to be here all day and I get a smirk. And an eye roll as she turns away. Like, I've heard all of this before. I didn't change anything because of the smirk. But then there's the take. I beat that pit up all day. I beat it up before brunch. I beat it up after brunch. I beat it up before dinner. We went to dinner and I beat it up after dinner. And I have a neat story about that for you. I consistently often by doing just a couple tier one tables with a break in between. I won my day's pay number for doing that tier cycle. And I went to the cage and I cashed in and I took a little break and I looked at the lovely fountain with the Hollywood decorations, which I posted on our Instagram, by the way. And I went back and did it again. And I did it again. And I did it again. And sometimes I ended up at tier two and sometimes I ended up at tier three in high limit. And when I did that for the second time, the pit boss there kind of said, so you're in and you're, you're just winning basically what you bought in for and you're back out and then you're back in. And I said, yeah, I said, it kind of got a process. So the second and third time I do that, he's like, okay, what's the process? And so I kind of ran through the basics, the real simple basics for me. He goes, oh, okay. I, I kind of get it. I, I beat that pit up and I would get all through the process. I'd go all the way to tier three and I'd go turn all the chips into cash and I'd count the cash and I'd divide it in the pockets where it goes. So that for me, I was essentially then finishing a tier two or tier three, getting the money like I would at my home casino and then leaving, right? Essentially the the equivalent of leave is go to the cage and, and get the, and get the money. And the funny story there is I did that so much that by the end of her shift, she was still rolling her eyes, but she was rolling her eyes in a here we go again way, not in a this guy's talking smack and he can't back it up way. And then the real fun kind of end to that story, because I've got more about that night. I'm going to come back to that night here in just a second. But the real fun part of that story is by the second night that I'm continuing to do this, as I'm walking into high limit, I hear the pit boss I had been explaining things to, and I don't think he meant for me to hear it. I think this was supposed to be a private conversation because he was a good bit back for me, but it's a very quiet room and I was the only one in it. He leans over and says to the other pit boss, well, I guess he's back. I guess he decided he needed another chunk. And I did, and I did, and I got it. But I was telling you that I was constantly all day finishing my day to keep my record keeping clean. I was turning chips into cash and then using the cash to buy in. So after happy hour, after dinner and drinks, after a couple drinks at the bar, after some more drinks at the table, I need to go hit tier three again. Not a big deal. Not really very worried about it. 
it doesn't go super great, but it doesn't go super bad. I finish that process minus three tier three units total. So while I hit um, my negative exit on the play stack, I had enough in the win stack that I was only minus really the first two bets. And I wasn't going to go, eh, I've won all this money today. I've won tons of money today. Oh, well, I just lost three units. I'm just going to let the whole tier fall apart. I'm going to let my streak end, which has been going on since October 4th. I'm going to let that end. And, oh, well, that, no, no. I just pulled three $100 bills out of my pocket, got plenty. I put them on the table and I say, I want to rebuy. And the dealer stops. This should not be a big deal. This should be a high limit dealer just hands the chips over and we keep playing. They don't want to stop play at the game. She stops. She calls the pit boss. They whisper, something's going on. Something's going on. I don't know what. This is not normal. This is not standard. We got something going on here. Pit boss goes and makes a phone call. I'm running through my head, my very intoxicated head. What did I do? What's, why, why would this be any different than all day? Why would this be any different than everywhere else in the country? What's going on here? I haven't done anything that looks like card counting. I've been very transparent with everybody involved. I've explained what I'm doing. That can't be it. And nothing's happening and nothing's happening. And the pit boss comes back and says, it's going to be just a minute. We've got some paperwork that needs to be done. And I said, paperwork? Why would we have paperwork? And she says, well, we've got some papers you need to sign because you have crossed the federal $10,000 in one day limit. Okay, now it registers. I get it. While I had never been, I hadn't done anything near $10,000 out of my own pocket. What I had kept doing is documenting one day's pay by turning in the chips from the the chips won back from the tier one buy-in that was lost, the tier two buy-in that was lost, and the tier three buy-in that was then won. And I had done that so much that this last few hundred dollars was going to put me over. And it was very clear that they had been aware that was something they were going to have to watch. And good on them, they're doing their job and they're doing it well, but it's taking a long time. And I am now trying to remain calm and look for a casino solution. And I'm like, this isn't that important. It's getting late. Can I just have my 300 bucks back and we'll just take this up another day, another time? No, I can do that. But the situation I'm in is either sign or ban for life. Still looking for that casino solution. Um, ma'am, could I call my lawyer? I'm intoxicated. Now with this threat of a ban, I'm under duress. No one would want me to sign a legal document intoxicated and under duress. Can I at least speak to my attorney? No, you can't. You can't do that. Okay, let me come at it a different way. Does banned for life mean banned from the Tropicana? If my choice is sign something intoxicated and under duress or be banned from Tropicana, I guess as much as we really enjoy the Tropicana, I might have to actually consider that and consider that as an option. Or does it mean banned from all the Caesars in Atlantic City? Or does it mean banned from all Caesars anywhere? Or does it mean you're sending this information all over the country to all the casinos? I kind of need to understand this. And she's going, I don't know. I don't know. 
I can't answer that. That's above my pay grade. I'll, I'll get someone that can explain it to you. So I've looked for the casino solution. I've looked for put this away till tomorrow when I'm completely sober. I've looked to understand what my options might be. There don't, I don't seem to have a lot of choices and I don't seem to have a lot of explanations. So I can't do any of the things I would like to do. The money has to stay on the table until this is resolved. If I don't sign, I can have the money back and then I'm banned and we have to sort out what that ban means. I also can't just play. I suggest that, can I just play with the chips I have? No, you can't. Okay, so I can't get the explanation. And the manager comes over and says, I hear you're upset. And I said, no, I, I said, if it came across that way, I, I didn't mean that to come across that way. At all. I said, I'm not upset. I'm not angry. I just don't understand exactly what's going on. And I don't like being asked while I'm clearly somewhat impaired, which is fine because I'm just riding up the elevator to my room. I'm somewhat impaired and I'm being threatened that I must sign a federal document or I'm going to be banned and no one can explain to me how big the ban is. I just want to explain, I just want to understand what exactly my options are and what exactly we're doing and what exactly is going on. And I want to try to understand that. And I asked if I could call an attorney and I was told that no, I can't, but I'm not under arrest. And I really haven't apparently done anything wrong. And so she proceeds to explain very professionally, very politely, that what's going on and the reason it took so long is that because I crossed the $10,000 limit, even though they understand it was just the same couple thousand dollars over and over, that they have to report my name and social security number to the government. And I go, okay, all right. She proceeds to explain that they've had this information for me on me for decades that they, from their records, have on a couple of occasions had to send it to the federal government, that it's really no big deal, that the win isn't going to trigger anything. It's really small potatoes. It's just that I've kept rebuying with the same money. But their computer or the computer at the federal government, one of those two ends is not working correctly, and they can't just transmit what's on file. And so as a result, they need me to re-sign to re-verify my name and my social security number. It's a standard W-9 form. That's all it is. Okay, I can understand that. I appreciate the explanation. I sign the paper. We finish up. I win my money. I cash out with my day's pay for that cycle of the Meta Martingale. There really are no issues here. However, there is a lesson a lesson for me, a lesson you can all learn from me to avoid this, I shouldn't have kept cashing in my chips to do my math. I should have done the math with the chips to verify what was in the app and been sure the app was correct. And if I'd done that, I'd have never been walking around. I mean, I could have cashed in the win. I just needed to not cash in the buy-in. I could have taken the win after I verified it and cashed that in and done the equivalent of being at my local casino for an afternoon. I could have done all of that if I had just kept the full buy-in for all three tiers in chips. I never would have triggered the review. I never would have triggered the conversation. I never would have had the kind of well-controlled, thanks to the casino wisdoms, the well-controlled but mini kind of panic attack. I've learned, I'm going to learn that lesson. I am hopefully never going to learn that lesson again. If I am doing rinse repeat in the same casino, see, that's the other part. That doesn't happen very often, right? 
I don't do rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat in Atlantic City or in Las Vegas in the same casino. I do part of it, even if it's all the same brand. I do part of it in one building, part of it in another building. It's $10,000 in one building. I almost never run into this. But the next time I'm doing rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, all in the same casino, I will hold on to that equivalent of a a tier one, a tier two, and a tier three buy-in. And I will keep that in chips. I will not cash those in. Hopefully, that benefits some or all of you with an experience that that you can avoid. All right. Um, I do have one more little thing to illustrate for you from my gambling process for the month, but I'm going to hold that for just a minute, and then I'll I'll tell you about that that day. But we're going to now do the monthly review. Gambling for the month, not the table, the machine, or even the day, is one of our very important core concepts. And if you're new, you can find those core concepts in the first 10 or 12 episodes. You can find those core concepts on the Casino Combat YouTube page in a playlist called uh, Boot Camp. Camp is spelled with a K, of course. But you can find that there. It's the core concepts in short lessons. It'll take you 90 minutes or less. You can do it a bite at a time. You will find the core concepts written up on a blog post on our website, casinocombat.com. Combat spelled with a K, of course. The idea of this core concept is to gamble for a longer period of time, not a shorter period of time. If you gamble every day, maybe that's you gamble by the week. If you gamble twice a month, maybe it's you gamble by the quarter. But the idea is here to separate ourselves from the fact that we had a loss in a short period of time. That's a minor manageable loss. So we do this monthly review because it's part of the core concepts. We do not do this review so that I can say, look at me, look at me, look how much I got. That's why, because that's not what this is about. This is about reviewing results. This is about me being transparent. It's about me being accountable to you. This is about me doing my best to give you a way to trust me because you don't really have any way to trust me. There is some alternate universe where I have wasted two and a half years of my life and made all this up and built this podcast, and this is all a house of lies. I mean, I admit, other than showing you my bank account, this is the closest I can get to showing you what really happened. And I, I also do that by now posting these results on the website, in a blog post every month so that you can see the numbers, go through the numbers, answer any questions. And we do these results on the scale of if I earned $1 a day. That is the scale. I have a day's pay number that I want to make if after working for a client, I go to my local casino and I'm in and I'm out and that's the amount of money I'm trying to win or I'm going to go to tier three and I'm going to have a bad day. And I take that number, that what I want to get when I go to my local casino, or what I want to get, say it another way, what I want to get if I'm on vacation and I'm going through the process of doing a day in maybe an hour and a half. I've got that number. And I divide all my results. I I divide all we spend. I divide all the comps we get. I divide all the gifts we get. I divide all of it by that number so that these results are as if I earned a dollar a day. So if I tell you that I got comped a total of $3.50 in hotel rooms and meals, and you earn 
$1 a day, you should multiply 3.5 by 100 and you can understand then for yourself how this would impact your life. And if you earn $100,000 a day, multiply 3.5 by 100,000 and you'll understand how that would impact your life. But quite frankly, if you earn $100,000 a day, it probably doesn't impact your life at all and you should send me a tip. <laughs> okay, kidding aside, Kidding, kidding aside, jokes aside, that's how we do these results. So let's talk through these. And I am just pulling up here basically what is going to be published to the website when we publish the episode. Table games. Playing table games, Mrs. TRG and I won $40.79. Almost 41 days pay. One playing table games. We played 154 blackjack tables. 67 of them were winning tables. 87 of them were losing tables. That's possible because the Meta Martingale is applied and those winning tables often won the money back to cover the losing tables. So while there were lots of losing tables that were lots of small wins, there were winning tables that won way more because the unit size was elevated. I really went hard on craps. I really did. I played a total of three craps tables. Two were winning tables. One was a losing table. I actually lost almost exactly a third of a day's pay. Obviously, I was not playing craps very hard. I was probably mostly playing craps for entertainment and to hang out with friends. That's probably mostly what that full, real craps table thing is about there. I played a total of 20 bubble craps trials. Well, that makes sense, right? I'm, I'm kind of doing this five days a week and I'm gathering data. So I gathered data 20 times. I had 11 winning bubble craps tables. I had nine losing bubble craps tables. And I had a total win of $1.57 playing bubble craps on the if I earned a dollar a day scale. And I want to pause here and I want to talk about that for a minute. This is an exercise in collecting data. This is not an exercise in necessarily caring about winning money. It's about proving if I can win money applying my blackjack wagering process, TRG wagering system for win more, keep more, to the don't pass bet on the craps table. The results are choppy. The results are choppy from month to month. We had a winning month, very small win. Then we had a, a losing month, very small loss more won than lost across those two months. Now here, and this is since we just started breaking these numbers out and having them available to us, here we have a nice win. Why is it choppy? It's choppy because there's no Meta Martingale. This is just one day, go in, use the system, leave. There is no opportunity to move up or to even retry. It's just gathering data on what happened. And so that's what we're seeing. We're seeing in the numbers, you can see them in the numbers if you look, that basically for the first 18 months of the podcast, for reasons I've already explained, I was doing TRG1, TRG2, eventually moving into TRG4, and I really wasn't doing the Meta Martingale. So we got what I promised you in the core concepts. We got some wins, some nice wins. We got more wins than we had losses. And we had losses that were offset by comps. So we lost some cash, but we received more in comps than we had lost. That's what I told you would happen. That's what did happen. And in that process, I told you about the Meta Martingale, something I'd used sporadically in the past as my bankroll allowed. And now we're seeing that as with Blackjack, I fully implement that 
we've leveled out a lot of the chop. We've added a PhD level skill. We've expanded the bankroll and we're, we've eliminated some of the chop on a monthly basis. We've got a lot of consistency out of things by doing that. Bubble craps, because it doesn't have a meta martingale to be applied, it's going to be choppier. The months are going to be choppier. I'm going to let that experiment run for a while so that we see what that looks like. Because for someone starting out, that may be all they can do. That may be all they can afford, right? So we're going to keep running that experiment going forward. So uh, lost a little money at craps, won a little money at bubble craps. The end result, believe it or not, is, yeah, you can see that. I won $1.57 one dollar a day scale playing bubble craps and i lost 0.34 days pay 0.34 cents on the one dollar a day scale so i have win for craps take the two craps numbers combined craps is a winner this month and bubble craps offset the lot of bubble craps play offset the little bit of real craps table play to make a, a win for the whole thing very cool very nicely done Playing slots with our own money using TRG slot strategy number one. And that's mostly Mrs. TRG, I'll be honest. Bubble Craps has kind of taken the spot, the take a break slot spot from slot play for me in a lot of ways. But we lost $1.89 rounding up in cash money using TRG slot strategy number one. We received $1.26 in free slot play. And we won, using TRG slot strategy El Numero Dos, $1.59. So the free slot play didn't quite earn enough, but that's a good number, by the way. I mean, I earned, we earned more on our free slot play than we were given. That's an incredible number. That's a, that's a great number. We didn't quite, this month, last couple months we have, we didn't quite cover the entire cash loss with the free slot play money one. Not quite, but it's close. So on the website, I have all this explained. It's called Casino Combat Slot Tactics. It's an ebook. You can go to the website and go to the Fred section. You can download it completely free. Enjoy it, read it. Um, but what I'm seeing here is that even when we lose money, cash money, that's okay because the money played with cash generates two no, take that three, generates three kinds of inputs back into the process the following month. It generates tier credits. Those are really useful. It generates free tax-free imaginary money. That's very spendable. That's the second input. And the third input into the process that it generates is free slot play. I'm okay if the two techniques together, and this is just me, you may not be okay with it. You may not want to do any of the slot stuff. That's fine. This did not start out to be a slot podcast. This started out to be a, a, a blackjack table game, back, blackjack, baccarat, uh, craps, pass, don't pass. That's where this podcast was aimed, was intended to be. We just ended up taking some interesting side trails. I'm very okay with the idea that the two strategies together form a synergy that some months make a profit, some months make a small cash loss, but generate those three other inputs into the process. Generate those tier credits, which generates tier status, reward credits, which we can spend as money, and then more free slot play, right? The engine feeds the engine. So I'm more than fine with that. 
Total profit or loss from gambling, $40.97. Let's round up 98 cents on the if I earned a dollar a day scale. Even with the trip to Atlantic City, even with the spa, even with the paying up for the hotel room, our expenses were $3.63, once again, rounded up, leaving us with a profit or loss after expenses of $37.35. Not bad. Not bad at all. I, what, what am I supposed to say? I'm happy? <laughs> Who isn't happy with that? I mean, it, you, you work less than 30 days, and most of that work is in a casino locally, and some of that was in a great casino in Atlantic City with great meals, with great friends, with with with, with great brunches, and and you end up with more than thirty seven days pay on less than thirty days work, and the work wasn't hard. Ah, uh, really happy with that. Let's do the other numbers. Comps: We received six dollars and five cents in comps. We received zero dollars in match bets. We received one dollar and fifteen cents in free bets. We received seventy-two cents in gifts. Where does that put us? How does that all shake out? That all shakes out as total value into our life. You take all the money won, all the comps and gifts and free bets and free slot play received, all of the expenses, all of the losses, and the value into our lives is $45.32 on the if I earned a dollar a day scale. If you're keeping score at home, that is March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, and November with cash money wins after expenses and all the free stuff that went with that. All of the trip to Atlantic City for our anniversary. All of the trip to Las Vegas for me to play in that tournament. All of the trips to Atlantic City all across the course of the summer. That's what I told you. Honestly, that's... And I'm not saying I told you so. That is not... No, no, no. I'm not saying I told you so. I'm saying that two and a half plus years ago, in the middle of the pandemic, I laid out what I knew about how to be good at the game of casino gambling. I laid it out as what I called the core concepts. I told you that deployed correctly, the things I would teach could be a reliable side hustle. I feel like I'm continuing to demonstrate that. I feel like I'm continuing to deliver on that promise. So all of that being said, let me tell you how the streak ends. The streak ended, folks. I went from October 4th all the way through October all the way through November without doing a Meta Martingale cycle and losing. I had been prior to that tracking about one in 1.3, 1.4 fails out of every 30 tries. This pushed the number, this almost two month span pushed that out to less than one time per 30. Pushed it way, way down. So let me tell you how it ends because how it ends is significant. It's not in the money, but it's a significant lesson. My local casino has been doing a promotion the last couple of months to increase player participation on Tuesdays. Obviously, Tuesday must be their slowest day. And the way the promotion works is that every Tuesday, your tier points also get converted into entries in a drawing. And then at various points on various days, they give you a chance to get bonus entries or to get a free lottery ticket, free scratch-off lottery ticket. So you build all these points up across the month, and then the last Tuesday of the month, from 1 o'clock p.m., until 7 o'clock p.m., so obviously they're targeting day players, they have a drawing every 30 minutes, and they give out a significant amount of cash. 
So I built the last Tuesday of this month, the last Tuesday of November, I built it around getting to the casino around uh, 1 o'clock. The, uh, the soccer match, the World Cup soccer match between Iran and, I'm sorry, Iran, and uh, they just recently made a big deal about that. But the match between Iran and the United States was going to happen, and I was going to go, and I was going to try to drag the process out and hang out and watch some soccer and see who was around. And I told Mrs. TRG ahead of time, I'm going to be home a little later. This is why I'm doing it. This is what I'm doing. Casino wisdom. You can't win the car from the couch. I'm going to go be in the building and I'm going to slow my roll. I'm going to drag things out. Normally I'd be in and out sometimes in as little as 20, 30 minutes. Sometimes it takes an hour or two. It rarely takes six hours. It almost never takes six hours. And I'm aware that I've got this streak going. And I'm also aware that I've won a ton of money. I'm not going to ruin the month. There's no way I'm going to ruin the month. And so after watching a big chunk of the soccer game and seeing the win, I go and do my normal thing. I do my bubble craps and I win my day's pay playing blackjack. And that's all cool and good. And then I run into Gabriel and Gabriel's having a rough day. And he says, why don't you come play some blackjack with me? So I do. And I work through the process and I win a little more money. We're all good. And I go to the bar and it's now, I still got a couple hours to kill. I still got a couple hours in front of me. And so I go to the bar and I get a drink and I decide that they got a like $10, $15 craps table open, not super full. And I'm just going to go take my drink and do the iron cross and just hang out and just be around for the drawing. What could, you know, not a big deal, right? If I lose, you know, not a big deal. Boom, boom. First two shooters. Point established. I lay out the iron cross. Not going to go through that now. Just do a Google search on it. It's not my strategy. I didn't invent it. It's been around forever. It's a very conservative strategy. But the one way that the iron cross fails, the way I play it, is that there's a point established. You put all the money out, and the next number is big red. The next number is S-E-V-E-N, and you lose the whole thing. Well, that's not a big deal, because I'm just hanging out. I'm just killing time. I'll just gradually grind and win it back. I've done that a bunch of times over the course of the last six, eight, ten months. That's not a big deal. And the same exact thing happens. Points established. Bets are made. Big Red shows up. It's all gone. So now I'm minus about mm, five units. Minus about five units of blackjack play at this point. I got time to kill. I'm waiting to hear the drawing. I've been winning since October 4th. What's the big deal? Why would I be worried? This shouldn't be a problem. This should be fine. This should be great and fine. It absolutely should be. And it's not. Tier 1 at the blackjack table, I take a quick loss. Tier 2 at the blackjack table, different blackjack table, I take a quick loss. Not a big deal. Into high limit I go. Do the tier 3 thing. Take the loss and record the loss. You've heard the financials. It doesn't matter for the month. It doesn't. It's fine. But it didn't have to end the streak. If I hadn't been, and I, and I, I, I did it with purpose. I executed my plan. I executed my plan well. But if this had been just a normal day without the drawing, I'd have been out the door with another day's pay and the streak would still be going on. And I'd still have that money. So I did want to highlight that to you both from the point of the streak is over. A new streak has started. The day after the new streak started, it's fine. But it does happen. And it only happened in this case. The only reason the streak ended is because I stuck around for the drawing. And that's not something I re regret, but I want to show you both how the streak ended 
and the fact that the streak did not need to end. Please, tip your waitresses, tip your bartenders, tip your dealers. If you have a host, tip your host. Don't tip away your wins. I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. In 10 years, we may find out I was wrong about all of this. It's time for leaving, and I hope you understand I was born a rambling man. Love it, hate it, it don't matter. Please share with your family and friends. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Just a...